Merry Christmas, everybody. We're just a couple days out now, of course, from Christmas itself. We're so glad that you could join us today to worship together in this way. Uh, welcome, little ones, uh, as you join us today, too, as we make this more of a, of a family service. Well, I don't think a year ago any of us anticipated Christmas being this sort of Christmas. I mean, with all of the COVID-19 related events happening, shelter in place, we're all experiencing some degree of loss, some sense of isolation, pain, hurt, some in greater ways than others, but all of us are experiencing it in some form or fashion. And I think it's because of this that we're able to just ever so slightly more be able to relate to the actual Christmas story. Typically this time of year, we focus on the Bible stories, the Bible texts that are related to the nativity scene, right? Jesus in the manger and Mary, Joseph, the, the shepherds and, and the, the wise men all gathering around. And typically we think of the angels in the sky singing and proclaiming God's praises and his wonderful promises. And we sing and remember things like hope, peace, and joy. And you know what? It's all there. It's all there in the Christmas story. But you know what's also there in the Christmas story? Lots of pain and hardship, confusion, even death. And I think it's important for us to understand these things, especially in a year like we're in now. And so what I want to do is read a text here that's not typically focused on uh, during the Christmas season. And as I read it, I, want, I wonder if you'll see why we don't typically focus on it. But let's look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. Uh, when they, that is the wise men or magi, had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Well, clearly we can see why this text doesn't typically get the focus this time of year, right? We, we typically focus on hope, peace, and joy, which again are very much a part of not only the Christmas message, but the Christian message. But what we also see here in this text, of course, is a lot of pain and hardship. And it's important for us to understand, as I mentioned earlier, all the more in a year like the one we're in now. Today's message is meant to be a little bit shorter, more of a devotional thought. So while there's so much we could pull out of this text, 
I want to zero in on what I believe um, is, is going on here at the, at the high level. Uh, what I see here, it seems to me, is this. God didn't just send his son into the world to save it. God sent his son into the world deliberately in such a way that we can know, like truly know, that he is with us and there for us no matter what. No matter what we face. Because the Christmas message here, and really the Christian message, is not a promise that life will become easier, that life will be made easy. In fact, for the Christian, it often means life can and will be harder. Uh, Certainly this was true for Jesus, God's own son. I mean, he was born into a manger, which of course meant that he was born into poverty. But he was immediately then, just a little while longer, thrusted into a life where he was fleeing for his life. His family was refugees, were refugees. It makes me think of our wonderful ministry partners in Greece, in Athens, uh, Michalis and Lois, who serve as missionaries there, really helping to serve Syrian refugees. I mean, the Syrian refugee crisis is still going on strong, sadly. I mean, at this, it's now been going for over 10 years, and there have been now more than five and a half million Syrian refugees fleeing for their lives. I mean, it's just terrible and sad. And you know the stories of, of parents or people just going to great lengths and, and at great cost and risk to themselves in order to flee and get out. Well, most of them have been going through Athens, and that's why Michalis and Lois have been able to, to serve there and thankfully been able to partner with them. But the point is, that's a scary life. That's a hard life. That's a life like the one our Lord wrote himself into. And you know, that's what really sticks out to me as we read this text. Matthew, the writer of this gospel account, not only tells that this is how it played out, but he deliberately takes the time to say, and this is how the prophets foretold it would happen, right? There's any number of times, at least about three here, where he quotes a prophet. He says that the prophet Micah says that this is why he would be called out of Egypt, that Jesus would be known as coming out of Egypt. And then he quotes Jeremiah saying this is why he was foreknown to be born into brokenness and and great weeping. And then there's also that reference of he'll be known as a Nazarene. It's like God is saying, hey, this isn't just happened by chance. I deliberately planned it this way for for great reason. Well, what does this mean for us? Uh, Little ones, current kids, as you guys are on, let let me ask you a question, and you can even share your answer with your parents. When you think of God, where he is and what he's doing. What comes to mind? When you think of God, what comes to mind as to what he's doing and where he is? When I was a little guy, elementary school age, I would have answered, you know, he's sitting up in a throne somewhere in heaven, just way up there, and, you know, angels are around him. And, you know, the Bible speaks to that. There's, we're, we're given that picture that God is in heaven and, and he is on his throne. But, you know, another picture God gives us about who he is and what he came to do? He was born into our world. He took on flesh and blood. He became a human being and was born as a, as a person into this world, but not just into any story. I mean, if you were to write yourself into uh, a story, wouldn't you write yourself into the story to become like a prince or princess so that you could one day be king, become the king or queen? Jesus was written into a story 
where he was immediately, his family fleeing for their lives. That was a scary thing to live through. And God deliberately did it in that way to help us know that he really truly understands you know, wherever we're at and whatever we're facing. I use this example in, in the past to describe how we ought to be there for others. But to consider this thought in, in light of this is who God is and what he does for us is just kind of mind-boggling. But there's something too when people come to us and help us when we're facing hard things and they have themselves gone through hard things. Um, a few years back, I went through some really hard times. I don't necessarily look it, but I developed an autoimmune condition, a rare form of arthritis, and was getting to the place where I could hardly stand. And then it was also at the time where there was a lot of life pressures and stresses to the point I was experiencing heart palpitations and just extreme weight loss in a short periods of time. Just I don't want to overdo it here, but just I was just in a hard place, just you know, just really stressed and, and not knowing what to do or how to, how to face it all. Well, I had a number of people come to me in that season of my life, which I'm so grateful for, who basically said, hey, we're with you and we love you and it's, it's going to be okay. And I'm so grateful for the folks in our lives who, who say such things and, and are there for us in such ways. But then there were also people who came to me and came alongside me in, in very much a similar way, using almost the same exact words, but from a place of having they themselves gone through a lot of heart, hardship and pain. And even though they used the same words, more or less, it was completely different in terms of how they were ministering to me, speaking into my life, and helping encourage and, and lift me up. We need both. We need people saying that no matter what. We need people who also really can understand, empathize, truly like sit in with us because they've experienced this. This is what this means. God, who sits on his throne, doesn't just know about our situation, our hardship and our pain, just on some like abstract level, just kind of in a, yeah, I could see how that'd be hard type way. No, he truly understands to his very core because he faced everything we faced and so much harder, so much more painful things. Because the Christmas story, yeah, he was born into a refugee home, fleeing for their lives. Uh, which, incidentally, we probably should should just say here real quickly, is something far greater and scarier than than probably any of us face, even here in 2020, as hard of a year as some of you have faced. I mean, that's that's a scary situation. But even as scary as that was, it didn't compare to what he ultimately came to do, and that is go to the cross, where he experienced infinitely greater pain and hardship on our behalf because on the cross he took all the pain all the hardship all the injustice all the sin that we cause and others cause to us all of the pain and hurts on his body to offer forgiveness that we could receive a restored relationship with him he experienced not just being a refugee on the cross he experienced being isolated his relationship severed with his eternal father for the sake of loving you and me not just to save us but to do it in such a way that he understands us to to the the infinite degree whatever we face so that he's with us and always there for us which means friends as we celebrate christmas this year now uh, let's remember the joy the hope, the peace that's available to us. Like, let's sing it even today as we continue this service. That's what Christmas is about. That's what the Christian message is about. 
At the same time, let us also remember the one, that same baby, our Lord, who came into this world, having left his heavenly throne, in order to express his love in such a way to know, to help us know, truly know, that he, is, he can be with us in and through anything and everything. Let's pray. Father, we do not deserve your love. Uh, Jesus, we do not deserve your coming into this world, let alone in such a way that you can know us fully and make your love fully known to us. We give you praise and we give you thanks. May this Christmas, yes, even here at the end of uh, 2020, be a joyous occasion for each and every one of us. As we remember truly the greatest gift of all, your love made available to us. And would you help us hold out that same love to those around us in our lives. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before I pass things over to continue this time in worship, I wanted to hype uh, our end-of-year impact campaign. We're calling Impact 2021, uh, which we get really excited about this time of year because ever since you know our first few months as a church four years ago on this that first Christmas season, we decided we wanted to start the way we wanted to, to go forward. And even though then we were especially uh, externally funded and, and helped by other churches, uh, we thought, you know what, we still want to raise uh, an impact fund to augment what we're doing in the community. And so that first year, we set a goal of raising uh, $10,000. I think $8,700 came in that first year, and we were thrilled. We were ecstatic to be able to give that away and be able to use it to partner with some, some different organizations and ministries. Well, speed forward to last year, and last year, our impact, we set a goal of raising $50,000, and current family, through you, God brought in a little over $80,000, which we just give praise to God for. Because that just allowed us to give in such incredible ways that we've been highlighting the last uh, few weeks. And I just, I I just want to say, uh, I'm excited to see what the Lord is getting ready to do this year as, as He chooses to lead. This year, because it's 2020, just a, a unique year, we decided to change the goal from a, a number or amount goal to participation goal. Uh, we really want the, the goal to be something that all of us, even those of us who've been hit especially hard from this hard year, can you know really kind of lock arms together and, and make a difference together. So our goal this year is 100% participation from those uh, who call current their home church. Of course, no pressure, no guilt. The, the whole point here is 100% of what comes in through, through this fund will go to augment what we are already doing in the community and really around the world, even as I mentioned, uh, home spot in Greece earlier in the message. But I wanted to share one thought with you as at, uh, just to share what I'm especially excited perhaps as the Lord leads you and, and our current family to give this year. I, my hope and prayer is that we would raise about or even exceed what we raised last year. Because what that would allow us to do is take what I like to think of as the next step in some of our uh, ministry partnerships. To give you a, a bit of an illustration, Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, you, talks about how uh, you, you could shoot bullets and you could shoot cannonballs. Well, in the earliest of days, and really up to this point, as a church, we've been with our resources shooting bullets, right? As the Lord brings in uh, resources, we want to we be generous and steward and just 
and just give and give away in, in different different low amounts to try to see what what works, what's effective, what relationship begins to develop and blossom. And so we've been doing that. Well, if we uh, happen to raise about what we did last year, or, or, or maybe even more, which would be really fun, we could begin to start shooting cannonballs, if you will. And that is to say, with a couple of our really key partnerships that we have now spent years developing, uh, not only in terms of uh, sending uh, resources, but also in terms of coming around, uh, in terms of um, you know volunteer hours and 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 blessing the relationship in, in different ways, that would allow us to give in, in more substantial ways. Now, I use this all uh, loosely because the Lord can use just a, you know, just a little bit. All he needs is fish and loaves to do uh, credible things and multiply it. But I think you know what I'm saying. So for example, uh, when we uh, first were getting going here at Current, we had a number of churches who were like us the last few years who believed in us as a church plant and saw church planning as something that was really important that, that they need that they wanted to invest in. And so, you know, from humble places that they were in, they said, hey, we want to give you a gift of uh, a one-time gift of two thousand or or five thousand dollars. And when churches gave that, we were ecstatic. We were thrilled. And we thanked them and we thanked the Lord for them. But then there were also some churches that came alongside us and said, hey, uh, we believe in what you're doing and we believe in what God does through, through church planning, especially in, in the Bay Area. And we want to come alongside you for the period of three years for this amount, a significantly higher amount. And I'll tell you, that enabled us as a church to plan in different ways, to, to think about ministry in different ways. This is not to say one's better than the other, but it's to say I think we're moving into the place of whether it's with a church plant whether it's with uh, some of our key uh, ministry partners or or, or, organiz or the organizations in the community uh, or whatever it might be, we might have an opportunity to kind of shoot cannonballs to continue to borrow from Jim Collins in such a way where we can give in even greater uh, measures. And so no pressure here. This is obviously meant to be no you know guilt or anything like that. Again, 100% of this goes to augment what we're already doing in the community anyways. But wouldn't it be fun to be able to increasingly give uh, in, in increasing measure and have greater impact uh, all for God's glory? Because by God's grace, we live in an area that is for the most part, for the most part, has been insulated from a lot of the effects of COVID-19. How awesome would it be if we as a church could lead out in generosity and helping those who've been most impacted by it? So would you prayerfully consider giving above and beyond your regular giving to Current in order to help us make an increasing impact in the community and beyond? It would just be fun to celebrate this with you in the, in the new year as we get to continue to give away what the Lord brings in. Uh, thank you guys for considering this, and uh, we're excited to do this with you because really the point of this is uh, we can do more together than we could do alone.